Welcome to the Upper Room Podcast. Thank you so much for stopping by. I'm Pastor Carl McLaughlin from Calvary Pentecostal Church in Euless, Texas. We're located in Dallas-Fort Worth, where 8 million call DFW home. Whether you're tuning in to Sunday or Wednesday's message, we pray that you will find words of encouragement. It is our mission to provide a positive and encouraging voice in the midst of uncertainty. I pray that you will be blessed by today's episode. Hello, everyone. Happy 4th of July and welcome to the Up Room podcast. We are so happy you joined us today. This Sunday, we heard from Pastor McLaughlin as he preached, You were anointed to overcome before you were anointed to undergo. We must put our hands to the plow, but we are anointed to win. We hope you are encouraged by this episode. I want to preach to you today. I've been anticipating today. This message has been working on me for a little while and, and then actually received more inspiration for this message at camp meeting. Uh, tremendous preaching by Brother Tuttle. And, and then just knowing, just knowing saints of God, having done this for a couple of years now, um, walking through the green pastures, going beside the still waters, walking through the valley of the shadow of death. It's an interesting journey as a pastor. When you take one saint by the hand, it can be such still waters. And then, and then as you take another step forward and take hold of another saint's hand, it is the valley of the shadow of death. And then when you release that hand and you step a few more steps forward and take another hand of a saint, then all of a sudden you're in the presence of enemies. And, and through it all, we understand that no matter what every saint of God is going through, the Lord is our shepherd. We shall not want. It doesn't matter. If you're beside still waters, they'll get troubled after a little while, but they'll get still after a little while. It's just a process. Can we give God praise right now? You and I need to make up our minds. We're going to give him praise. No matter what goodness and mercy are going to follow us all the days of our life, we win. We win. We've got the victory. We've got the victory. Let's go through with victory. And so with that, I want to turn your attention to the book of Galatians, chapter 3, verse 27, one verse. And then I will turn your attention to 1 Thessalonians, chapter 3. While you're turning to both passages, please allow me to extend a very warm welcome to each and every one of you who are guests here today. Leo, thank you so much for being with us today. I feel honored to have you. Good to have you in the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. To all of our other guests, thank you so much. To those that are watching online. And, and we do have people who consistently watch online. Uh, very grateful for that. Um, just make sure that you're loyal to your home pastor first. Um, that's pretty good. Make sure that you don't, you know, treat the church like Luby's cafeteria and you pick up bits from your pastor and pick up bits from Brother McLaughlin, pick up bits from Joel Olstein. You're just trying to throw it in the blender and blend all that up and somehow make it work and throw it to the wall, hope it sticks to the wall, and all of a sudden just start sliding down the wall. Well, that's because you got mixed up theology, and you don't want to do that. So if you're an online 
viewer make sure that you are totally faithful to a local church somewhere, to a home church somewhere, and uh, I could really start preaching right now. Oh, my Lord, I could start preaching right now. But I won't, but I won't. Um, be faithful to the local church. Never get beyond the commitment of a local church. Amen. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ, you have put on Christ. I'll say it in a moment, but I want you to look at it. For as many of you as have been baptized, this means to be plunged underneath. It means to be immersed. It means to be completely submerged, baptized into Christ. Christ is Christos, and it means the anointed one. When you were baptized, you need to, you need to catch this. When you were baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, you literally were submerged into an anointing on your life. Christ means the anointed one. Christian means little anointed ones. When you were born again of water and spirit, you literally were endued with an anointing from God. When you were saved, you are anointed. Notice part of that anointing is an authority. That means that you have superior authority over any spirit, over principality, power, spiritual wickedness, and rulers of darkness that would ever oppose you and come against you. You've literally put on Christ. Thus, he's already defeated these principalities' powers. In fact, the Bible says he is the head of all principality power, spiritual wickedness, thrones, dominions. Anything that exists, he is superior to. Therefore, when you got the Holy Ghost, that made you superior in your anointing. You put him on. You put him on. So with that anointing on your life in mind, I want to read 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 1 through 8. Therefore, when we could no longer endure it, we thought it good to be left in Athens alone and sent Timothy, our brother and minister of God, and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ to, to do two things. To establish you and to encourage you concerning your faith. That no one should be shaken by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that you were what? What? Appointed to what? Appointed, appointed to afflictions. Appointed to afflictions. I'm going to read it again. And this was one of the reasons that there was a powerful voice in a preacher named Timothy that would come to them to establish them and encourage them prior to their appointment with the affliction. Let's look at it and read it again. I sent Timothy, our brother and minister of God, our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ to establish you and encourage you concerning your faith that no one should be shaken by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that you were appointed to this affliction. For in fact, we told you before when we were with you that you would suffer tribulation just as it happened and you know. For this reason, when I could no longer endure it, what a pastor's heart here. I sent to know your faith. I wanted to know how you were doing. Lest by some means the tempter had tempted you, and our labor was in vain. 
But now that Timothy has come to us from you, he brought us good news of your faith and love, and that you always have good remembrance of us, greatly desiring to see us as we also to see you. Therefore, brethren, in all of our affliction and distress, we were comforted concerning you by your faith. For now we live if you stand fast in the Lord. That is a preacher's heart right there. Not that he was just hanging on by the skin of his teeth going, man, if you backslide, I'm going to backslide. That was not the point here. But what he was saying is the way you walk with the Lord does encourage me or at times if you're failing in your faith, it can try to throw a fiery dart of discouragement at me because I have labored all of my life to see you succeed. And, and if there's anything that a preacher wants to see is a saint of God succeed. Maybe you were appointed to the trial, but you're going to overcome the trial. Amen. Paul said, I just want to know you're going to make it. I just want to know there's something inside of you that says no matter what comes my way, I'm already determined. I'm not quitting. I'm not backsliding. I'm not going to become ice cold in the church. If you're going through an affliction, it's time to set yourself on fire. If you're going through a trial right now, it's time to amp it up in prayer. Right now, it's trying to hit the full throttle in your praise and worship. Don't sit back right now. Put it in overdrive. Put it in four-wheel drive. Move through the mud and move through the slog and move through the trial. But don't sit there dead. Can we clap our hands and give him praise today? God of heaven, we lift up your name and we give you praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So my message to you today is this. You were anointed to overcome before you were appointed to undergo. Before you ever met your appointment with the trial, God anointed you to overcome. So what that really means in a true sense is there's part of you who is already on the other side of what you're going through. You just have to go through it physically. Spiritually, he anointed you to overcome. Physically or practically, you've got to exercise faith to get through. God has an appointment. You were appointed to this, but you need to know you were anointed before you had the appointment with the trial. And God has already brought you through. Can somebody clap your hands and give him praise? If you want the victory, you've already got it. I mean, if you're looking for a reason to quit and backslide, you'll find it, I promise. But if you're looking for a reason to win and you're looking for a reason to have joy, you're anointed by God, you've already overcome all of this. You just got to march through it. You just got to go through it. I'm not quitting, Pastor. Hallelujah. So, so... Is what Paul said, I think myself happy. Listen, if you're on, part of you's on the other side, it's spiritually, you gotta see yourself on the other side of the trial. You look back into the trial to yourself, uh, don't think I'm schizophrenic here, don't think I'm losing my mind here. Oh my God, he's talking to himself. Well, do you talk to yourself? 
I think myself happy. That's what Paul said. I'm not thinking myself into depression. I'm not thinking myself into defeat. I think myself happy. I'm going to make up my mind. I'm going to let my thoughts be such that I know I'm going through it. Hey, McLaughlin, come on. Part of you's already over here because God anointed you to be over here. You just need to journey on through. Hey, Brother Chandler, there's part of you that's already over here. Caden, there's part of you already over here. Liam, there's part of you already over here. Brother Keith, there's part. You just have to tell yourself, come on through. You're anointed to overcome before you ever had to undergo the appointment that you're involved in right now. You can't lose. There's no way for you to lose. Hallelujah. Let's pray together before you're seated. Lord, we love you so much. Thank you for the anointing of God that's on our lives. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for allowing us to have total confidence that no matter what comes our way, you have anointed us to overcome it. Whatever appointment we have with the storm, the trial, and whatever we have to undergo, you've already given us the authority and the power and the dominance to achieve victory. We love you, Lord. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Everybody said in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for standing. You may be seated. The saints in Thessalonica were undergoing being shaken, being afflicted, and being oppressed by what Paul calls the tempter. Just know that when you go through the trial of your life, the tempter is going to show up. When you are agitated, when you are under pressure, when you are being afflicted, he said, don't be moved or don't be shaken in this appointment or this affliction. You will have an appointment and you will be shaken. You will be afflicted and you will be oppressed and you will undergo pressure. And you just need to know that that's not going to win. Amen. It's a time. It's a season. It's a testing. It's a trial. They were undergoing these things. And Paul wanted to know how they were going to face the snake and how they were going to face the storm. He sends Timothy to establish and encourage them. It was how they would make it through. Amen. We need, let me just pause here for just a moment and just say we need to thank God for some powerful voices in our life so that we have the true genuine and when that genuine voice comes through by virtue of knowing the genuine we can also tell what's counterfeit. Amen. You don't have to taste the counterfeit to know it's counterfeit. You just need to taste the genuine so that you know what's counterfeit by virtue of knowing what's real. You don't have to taste sin to know it's sin. You just have to get into this book and be established in this word and you never have to taste any sin. Can I get some help in this place right now? Amen. We need a voice of a Timothy. We need a voice of a preacher. You never lose that place. You never, you never are in a place where you don't need a preacher in your life. You need a preacher in your life. I need a preacher in my life. We all need a preacher in our life that can establish us and encourage us. Timothy was sent to establish and encourage. Establish is about roots. Encouraging is about wings. You've got to have leaders and friends who will help you become deeply rooted in doctrine. 
Establish you in holiness. Establish you in separation. Establish you in modesty. Establish you in manhood. Establish you in integrity. Establish you in godly character. Amen. You need voices that will help you and establish you. You don't need voices that are trying to uproot the doctrine. You don't need voices that are trying to uproot holiness and uproot modesty and uproot separation. You don't need friends on Facebook who post things who are trying to uproot what's been established in your life. You need friends and you just might have to, to unfriend them and you just don't like some of those things. You need somebody in your life that can preach doctrine back into you. You need somebody in your life that can preach holiness back into you. Thank God for biblical separation. Thank God for modesty on our ladies. Thank God that we're not having to deal with issues in the church that, that Paul dealt with in immodesty. Thank God. Ladies, listen to me. You hold your head high in that holiness. Hold your head high in that separation. Don't take your cues from compromising churches. Don't take your cues from liberal preachers. Can I get some help in this place? I'm stirred up in the Holy Ghost. I'm just telling you right now what got us here and what established us will keep us. We're not looking to cut roots out of the church to make you feel good or make me feel good. Somebody help me now. How are you going to face the snake? How are you going to face the storm? I'm not going to cut the roots of doctrine out. I'm not looking to baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, which is Jesus Christ, so that we're here to appease every thought process. You sound like a mixed up preacher if you don't know how you really want to baptize. There's only one name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And we need a Timothy to go to Thessalonica and say, Hero Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. We need a Paul that says there's only one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. One God and Father of all who is above all, through all, and in you all. We need a David that will dance in this house. Some of you act like you don't even have the Holy Ghost. Some of you act like you lost it a long time ago. It's with Holy Ghost and fire. Some of you believe it's Holy Ghost and ice. You need to set yourself on fire all over again in the Holy Ghost. All right, a lot of activity going on, a lot of people going out of the church. Y'all need to stay in when the preaching's coming. Y'all need to stay in the house of God and stay in your pew when the preacher's preaching. You need leaders and friends, not only who will give you roots, but you need a Timothy who will encourage you. You need a Timothy, you need a preacher, you need friends in your life who will put wings on you and believe in you when no one else believes in you. Amen. When the world is trying to push you down, 
when the world is trying to say you'll never make it. You need somebody. Yes, let's have roots and establish us. But don't just anchor me to the ground. Put some wings on me and tell me we can have the greatest revival we've ever had. Don't try to tell me that our better days are already gone. Don't preach nostalgia to me. And if we could just go back in the day. I'm thankful for back in the day. But I'm more thankful for where we're going. I'm thankful for the young generation that's coming up. And I want to preach wings into you. I want to let you know you're going to fly high. I want to let you know you got deep roots that have established you, but you're going to fly high. We need to pass a mantle to the younger generation, and we need to cast confidence in them, and we need to cast belief into them that they can do all things. My God, come on, Mom and Dad, put some wings on your children. Come on, young adult leader, put some wings on those young adults. Ryan, Ryman, and Karen, put some wings on this youth department, and let's go high. Yes, we've got the roots, but we need encouragement. Woo! You want to know what's encouraging? You want to know what's encouraging when you're sitting here praising the Lord and you know that people are rooted, but all of a sudden you see a sister wiser running the aisles. Woo! You just kind of feel the wind go by you. And I'm sitting there worshiping God and all of a sudden I just, I'm just praising God and all of a sudden I just feel this. And I look up and there's sister wiser. Just, let me just tell you something right now. You want to encourage a preacher. You want to encourage a pastor. He said, well, does that mean everything's perfect in her life? Absolutely not. That just means in spite of the trial, in spite of the storm, in spite of the trial, in spite of anything that they have to go through, she made up her mind, I'm going to run the aisles anyway. I'm not going to wait until everything is good and perfect because it's never going to be good and perfect. Somewhere you got to make up your mind you're going to be an aisle runner. Somewhere you got to make up your mind I'm going to shout to God even when I don't feel like shouting. You got to make up your mind I'm going to give God praise even when I'm going through the trial of my life. You were anointed to overcome before you were appointed to undergo the trial. Use your anointing in this house. Use your anointing in this house. Somebody go high. Somebody climb up. some wings on this youth group. Put some wings inside this church. The worst thing in the world, Grant, one of the most repulsive, obnoxious things is for a church to be rooted in doctrine but dead in praise and worship. Sucking on a lemon. Put some sugar on that thing and make some lemonade. Do something to change that countenance. Do something to sweeten up that face. I promise you, you run the aisles long enough. You shout long enough. You dance long enough. That sour look on your face is going to be transformed. God's going to put a Holy Ghost smile on you. Somebody try it. You've tried everything else. You've tried depression. You've tried pills. You tried pot. You tried cocaine. Try the Holy Ghost. Try the joy of the Lord. Yes.
telling you the anointing of God is about to baptize you all over again. He's anointed you to win. He's anointed you to overcome. He's anointed you to climb high. Yes. We've all been to those, man, I'm off, but I'm on. We've all been to those churches that were so holy, you couldn't breathe air. But they had no victory. They had no joy. They had no shout. And anything that came out of their mouth was criticism for everybody else because they're not living holy enough. Live holy. Don't compromise. But my Lord, take a deep enough breath that you get some renewed energy. That you can run the aisles and dance and shout and put a, put a smile on that face of holiness. Put joy in your spirit. Put joy in your spirit. Put power back in your step. You got to make up your mind to put some wings on. You got to make up your mind to put wings on and climb high. You were anointed to overcome. Somebody give him praise. Somebody put your hands together. Woo! My, my. Come on. Don't leave your praise at Summit. Don't leave your praise in Plano. Don't leave it at youth camp. Don't leave it on the campground. Bring it to Calvary Pentecostal Church and let God anoint you in this house to dance like you've never danced, to praise like you've never praised. Somebody shout yes. Somebody give him praise. You may need to get out of that pew. when you're getting out of the pew you gotta see yourself getting out of the pit it's just not a pew it's a pit but you're getting out of the pit I said you need leaders you need friends who will put wings on you and believe in you when no one else believes in you you need, you need a Brother Benson in your life. That when you've preached a message, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me tell you why. You're clapping your hands, you don't even know why I'm saying that. You just love him so much, you're clapping, you don't even know why I'm saying it. You, you, need, you need a papa in your life. That when you have taught on a Wednesday night, or you've preached on a Sunday and you, and you feel like you dropped your watermelon, you kicked it all over the place, and you can't even pick up the seeds. You wake up on Monday morning, and you got a text on your phone that said, Carl, that was a great message yesterday. Tremendous teaching. The church has been blessed by what you've been teaching and preaching. You know what he's doing? He's putting wings on a preacher. He's saying, get in the pulpit and preach one more time. I just want to put some wings on somebody right now. I just want to let the youth group know we're proud of you. I know you're not perfect, and we don't expect you to be perfect, but God put an anointing in your life. I said, God put an anointing on this younger generation, and you got wings. Logan, Logan, everything that comes out of your mouth needs to put wings and roots in people's lives. 
you, you got to make up your mind. I'm going to have a voice that's not trying to deroot people. You know, hell will send people into your life and say, do you, is that really necessary? I mean, you can't even trim it a little bit. I mean, what's the big deal about some split ends that you need to look, you got to beautify yourself. God wants you to look beautiful. I, I don't know where he ever said he wanted you to look beautiful. He just said he wanted you to glorify him. And the world's definition of beautiful and you glorifying him are two different things. You glorify him and it is your glory when you let it grow long. We're not trying to deroot or uproot the biblical doctrine of separation. We're trying to put some more roots in the church. We're trying to put some more roots in the church. Don't tell me it'll weigh you down. God has put wings on holiness. Does your voice help other people in their doctrine? Does your voice help other people in their holiness? Does your voice help other people in their modesty and their biblical separation? Let me push a little bit more. Do your posts help establish and ground others in doctrine? Or are you liking things, friending people, following people and posting things that put your doctrine in question. If you're liking things that have walked away from apostolic identity, your apostolic identity is in question. We need some roots and we need some wings. Hallelujah. Hear me, hear me. Paul was not just talking to one person in the church. He was talking to the entire church. He was talking to every saint in the church. He was talking to the teenagers. He was talking to the young adults. He was talking to the adult class. He was talking to fam class. He was talking to singles class. He was talking to Sunday school class. He was talking to all the teachers and everyone else therein. Amen. He was talking about the aisle runners and the pew sitters. He was talking to those that were praying and those who were fellowshipping. He was talking to those inside the sanctuary and those inside the foyer that should have been in the sanctuary. Can I get a little bit of help right now? Come on. If you're going to be here on Sunday, be all here. If you're going to pull up in the parking lot, get your praise garment on. If you're going to get here, get your shouting shoes on. Get your worship on. If you're here on a Sunday, get here with everything you got. Woo. Listen, he's talking to an entire church because listen to me, listen to me. If God anoints a person, well, pastor's anointed and so if pastor can just lead the way, then we'll just all, he'll create this wake and we'll jump into the wake and we'll just all, the wake will carry us. Uh-uh. Uh-uh, uh-uh. If I'm anointed, you're anointed. If you were baptized into Christ, you're anointed just like I'm anointed. I'm anointed to preach and teach and lead and cast vision and manage and facilitate. But you're anointed to worship. You're anointed to be a businessman. You're anointed to pay tithes and offerings. You're anointed to get into the house of God and praise Him. You're anointed to worship. And when we put all of our anointing together, 
I said when the church puts all of its anointing together, yes, we've got roots, but oh, how we've got wings to fly. Oh, how we've got wings to produce some things in the spirit. He said, when you were baptized, you were baptized into Christ. It means, it means to sink into a garment. Where's my jacket? Where's my jacket? It means to sink into a garment. And that's exactly what Paul wanted to know. He looked at the church in Thessalonica, and he said, look, I'm watching you go through some afflictions, and I need to know if you're sinking. I need to know if you're sinking. Listen, if, if you're going to sink, if you're going to sink, and you say, well, it's okay to sink. The only time it's okay to sink is if you're sinking into the anointing. And that's what the devil doesn't want some of you to do. He wants you to sink and fall out of the church. He wants you to sink and start doing drugs again. He wants you to sink and get a divorce. He wants you to sink and quit the church. He wants you to sink and just throw in the towel. Hey Amen. You got to turn back around and look at the devil and say, uh-uh. If I sink anywhere, I'm sinking into the anointing. I'm going to fall right into my victory. I'm going to fall right into a dance. Oh, somebody ought to come to church and help me in this place right now. You might be sinking, but you're sinking into your greatest day. You're sinking into your greatest miracle. And you're sinking into your greatest anointing. Woo! He said, devil's looking at you. Paul said, man, I just want to know how you're doing. I just want to know how you're doing. Are you sinking, David? Don't be moved by this. Don't be agitated. When you're agitated, make sure if you're agitated and you feel like sinking, you sink right into the anointing of God. For as many as were baptized into Christ, they put on Christ. To put on Christ, it's the same term that which you are endued with power from on high that Luke used in 2449. It means that you are endued with power from on high. You sink into the power. Amen. You fall into the power. That's the beautiful thing about church is even when you fall, if you fall in the right place, you fall into your power. He said it's like sinking into a garment. Davis. Failure. Look at this label. Quitter. Look at this label. Drugs. Look at this label unfaithful look at this label he's sinking and Paul's in Athens he's saying Timothy go encourage them and let them know if they sink they can sink into their overcoming anointing and let them know that I've got a garment for them what happens to the label when you fall in and you sink into it they say, oh my Lord, it's just too big for me, Pastor. It's just, that's what God wants. He wants an anointing on your life bigger than the trial you're going through. He wants an anointing on your life that swallows you up so that the devil says there's no way I can get him. There's no way I can stop him. He's going to grow into the anointing. He's going to grow into the power. Come on, younger generation. You've got to make up your mind. You're an overcomer. You're going to win this battle. Can somebody clap your hands to the Lord? Woo! His anointing did not keep him. That is Jesus. His anointing did not keep him from his appointment with a bloody cross. 
But it did empower him to rise above the lies, rise above the evil, rise above the politics, rise above the rumors, and rise above the setups, the political and religious setups. What never stopped was him healing broken hearts and the broken hearts being healed. Captives who were set free, the blind who could see again, and the bruised being free again. Even when you're in your bloodiest moment, the church is going to have revival. When the church goes through its crucifixion hour, we're still going to see blinded eyes open. We're still going to see people getting baptized. We're still going to see people talking in tongues. We're still going to have apostolic revival because he anointed the church to overcome even when we have an appointment to undergo the cross. You gotta make up your mind, I'm an overcomer. You gotta make up your mind, I'm, I'm coming over. Nothing is stopping me. Can, can I just be a pastor right now? God took me through the corridors of time. He took me back to when I first started pastoring and I had a man, a young man that, that I had so much confidence in. He had so beautiful wings. And he walked into my office. And Davis, look, learn from the mistakes of others because you never live long enough to make them all yourself. There's three schools of learning. Seeing much, suffering much, and studying much. There are just some things you're going to get out of opening up that Bible and studying. You've got to be a student. There are other things that even though you read the scripture, you'll never learn it until you go through suffering. And then the suffering brings revelation to the word and you put the word with the suffering and God gives you revelation on how you're getting through the suffering. But then there are other observations that you look around and you see people doing some really dumb things. You don't repeat what they're doing. You don't say, let me walk in their steps and see how much I can get away with without finally getting to that threshold where they were. I'll just go to about right here because that's where they fell. So I'll just live right here. Absolutely not. I made up my mind. I'm not even going down that path. How I don't even... Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate both day and night. He shall be like a tree planted. There's the root. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit. There are the weeds in his season. And whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. But he will not wither. I'll never forget it. He walked in. He walked in. He said, he said, sir, he said, I don't think the Bible's real. He said, sir, I don't think the Holy Ghost is real. I said, so you mean to tell me every time you and I had prayer meeting together and you talked in tongues and I talked in tongues and I heard you talking in tongues and you heard me talking in tongues and I looked over and I saw tears rolling down your face. You're telling me right now that's not real. He's looked at me and he said, sir, I cannot say that that was real. He blasphemed the Holy Ghost. He was brilliant. He had written programs. He wrote code behind the programs for all of our technology in the church. For six months to a year, we couldn't even make a decision or do anything without having to make a phone call to figure all this whole thing out. I learned, I learned something right there. I have two or three deep in every position. You be a, be a developer of leader, so if somebody bails on you, you got two or three to step right up. You keep marching on, the church just keeps moving on. I learned a hard way on that one. But, but more than that, it was the brokenness. And I thought, God, is the church going to survive? God, are we going to be all right? God, is this going to be okay? What kind of influence did he have on all of our other young adults? Is it, are we going to make it? 
That was 20 something years ago and here we are in a, a brand new building seven years ago. Here we are having revival. We, we've almost tripled the size of what the church was back then. Look what the Lord has done. What I'm trying to say right now is flesh will come and go but the church is anointed to win. The church is going to overcome. I can take you through countless situations where I said, my God, what if they leave? What if they leave? What if, what if that happens? And what if that happens? And God said, look, I anointed the church to win. I anointed the church to win. We don't want anybody walking out the door, but I got news for you. The church is not going down. Jesus has forsaken us, having loved the present world, but the church has revival. If the cross couldn't stop it, if the crucifixion couldn't keep him in the grave, the church is going to have revival in spite of it all. You're anointed to overcome. Yes, you just rise above it. Listen to me. When snake cannot get to you or ministry, because of the anointing on your life, they shoot their venom, poisoning people against you, i.e. Judas, the Roman soldiers, the religious leaders, and the political movers and shakers, the very ones that used to be in fellowship with you before the snake got to them. The ones that used to pray with you before the snake got to them. The ones that you could confide in before the snake got to them. The ones that you knew would take the journey with you until the venom got inside of them. And then all of a sudden, they never came to you to ask the questions. They just started spewing venom at you, never even coming to you to see if it was true or false. You got to make up your mind when they're spitting venom at you because of a rumor, because of hearsay. And it's not even true. It's the author of confusion. It's the father of lies trying to disrupt your walk with God. You got to know you were anointed to overcome. You got to know that no matter what kind of venom comes your way, no matter what kind of snake or whatever storm you're going through, you were already anointed before you were appointed to go through it. You're going to win. Somebody giving praise in this house. No weapon, no weapon formed against you is going to prosper. Somebody praise him in this house. They just got, they just got the poison from the snake. They started spitting poison on you based on what they heard from the snake. And he said, look, this is going to happen to you, but nobody be moved. Nobody be moved by these afflictions. Don't soon be shaken by these afflictions. The term moved or shaken in the New King James Version means unsettled, disturbed, or agitated. Anybody feeling unsettled in their spirit because of a rumor? Anybody feeling unsettled in their spirit because of gossip and slander and talk? Anybody getting on the phone over here and this one over here and this one over here and this one over here and you got so much going on, you're spewing venom over, over everybody and you hadn't even, even tried to validate if that's true or false. You just picked it up somewhere in the middle of all your emotions. You just have a spirit of anger on you and you just picked it up. You know, the Bible said, don't make friends with an angry man lest thou learn of his ways. 
I would say that about a gossiper too. Don't make friends with a gossiper unless you learn of her ways. Don't make friends with a slanderer unless you learn of a slanderer's ways. I don't care how much venom they put, they spit out. You're anointed to win. You're anointed to win. They can't stop you. They won't defeat you. You are greater than they are. And greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Disturbed and agitated. Paul uses the word to describe church members undergoing a back and forth, unsettled shaking because they were simply trying to do what's right. Just trying to do what's right. And they're shaking back and forth. They're agitated. They're being moved. They're disturbed. They're frustrated. They're irritated. They're frustrated. All because they're trying to do what's right. And Paul said, look, I want to see how you're overcoming when you're just trying to do what's right and people are moving in affliction against you. If you're going to be shaken, you need to make up your mind you're going to be shaken into an anointed influence. I said, wherever you land, you're going to anoint that place that you land. Amen. Don't pick up their spirit. Don't pick up the bitterness. Don't pick up the hatred. Don't pick up the anger. Amen. If they're going to shake you up, and if you're going to get shaken up, make sure you shake. And whatever shakes out of you is anointed influence. Make sure a praise is coming out of that mouth. Don't even waste time talking to them. God, I'm trying to help somebody in this place. Don't even waste time responding to them. Get your mouth open and give God some praise and say, go ahead and try to shake me up. When I land, I'm going to land with anointing in my influence. I'm going to land with anointing in the environment that I'm in. I'm not here to contaminate the church. I'm here to put wings on the church. How many of you like a bland steak? If you took the time to put it on the smoker, if you took the time to do a reverse sear, New York strip, filet, ribeye, if you can't make up your mind, get the T-bone. It's part New York and part filet. If that doesn't do it, then get a bone-in ribeye. And if that doesn't do it, buy a porterhouse. And if that doesn't do it, buy the whole cow. I mean, whatever you do, if you're going to put it on the smoker and you're going to smoke it, pull it off. Crank that bad boy up to 425 so that you can just sear it on one side and sear it on the other. And it locks in the juices and it locks in that smoky taste. Woo! And then you cut into that and you take a bite and it's as bland as bland can be. Anybody have any salt around here? You know what you do? You ask them for the salt. What's it called? Anybody got a salt shaker? It doesn't even get seasoned until it's shaken up. It, it doesn't even taste better until you get that thing shaken up. It doesn't even have any effectiveness until you turn it upside down. Some of you are more worried about that carpet that's going to get vacuumed than you are the devil turning you upside down. You got to make up your mind when he starts shaking you up. You got to make up your mind when he turns your world upside down. There's going to be an anointing pause. 
There's going to be a shout in your spirit. There's going to be a dance in the church. Some of you, you're turned upside down. Some of you, you're being shaken up. Then anoint this house with praise. Anoint this house with victory. Anoint this house with a dance. But put some seasoning on your life. Some of your lives are so bland. Well, God's just not doing anything in my life. Get ready. He's about to turn you upside down. Well, I just don't understand. Why are they, why are they coming at me? And why are they criticizing me? Why are they talking evil against me? Why are they? You were appointed to it. That's what he said. He said, don't be moved. Don't be shaken by your afflictions. Whereunto you were appointed. Did you know that you actually had an appointment with that? Well, no, I didn't make that appointment. In fact, I don't want that appointment. I know you don't. I don't either. But God thinks we need it. And when God thinks we need it, it doesn't matter what you and I think. He's going to put us into the appointment. But you need to understand that he gives you an anointment. That's not a word. Before the appointment. But that's the problem. When you don't know about the anointing, you just misuse it and mispronounce it. I think it's that anointment. Well, there's no such word. Well, I don't know. That's stuff I'm supposed to use when I'm going through a trial. It's the anointing. That's what it is. It's the anointing. Can you use it when you're in the middle of the appointment? Amen. That's what he said. He said, you got to make up your mind whether you're being shaken or you're the one doing the shaking. You know, in fact, that's, that's, that's what the scripture teaches us. Go ahead. Go ahead, devil. Shake me up. Go ahead, shake me up, but just know when I land, I'm going to change the taste of things and anointed my influence. I'm going to be like Daniel in the lion's den, and the lion is going to have to shut its mouth when my feet land to the ground. But I'm not going to backslide, and I'm not going to quit. Go ahead and turn my world upside down. Go ahead and get the lions. Go ahead and put them on a fast, because when you throw me in the lion's den, I was anointed to overcome before I was ever appointed to undergo the lion's den. And when I give in to the lion's den, I've got the lion of the tribe of Judah inside of me. And when I get in the lion's den, praise is going to come out. I said praise is going to come out. I'm going to dance like I've never danced. I'm going to shout like I've never shouted. Because I was anointed to overcome. Go ahead. Shake me up. Shake me up. But you just need to know I'm going to be just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You put me in the fiery furnace. You go ahead and put me. But you need to understand that my God's hand is on the thermostat. He knows how to heat it up for the enemy, but he knows climate control for me. Come on, I need some help in this place right now. How in the world are you alive right now? You're alive and moving and what other people burn up in. I'll tell you how God anointed you to overcome before you ever went, underwent that trial. Is this resonating with anybody? Go ahead. Disturb us like you disturbed David. We're going to dance through the disturbance. I said we're going to dance through the disturbance. 
2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 20 through 23, then David returned to bless his household. And Michael, the daughter of Saul, that was problem number one, he married the wrong person. And Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, How glorious was the king of Israel today, uncovering himself today in the eyes of the maids of his servants, as one of the base fellows shamelessly uncovers himself. So David said to Michael, It was before the Lord who chose me instead of your father and all his house to appoint me ruler over all the people of the Lord, over Israel. Therefore, I will play music before the Lord. He was getting his dancing shoes on. What he was saying is I was anointed to overcome before I ever had my appointment to hear your criticizing voice. And I'm not going to let your criticism stop my praise. I'm going to dance in my disturbance. Go ahead and agitate me. Go ahead and disturb me. I'm going to dance in the middle of the disturbance. But you're not going to stop my praise. You're not going to stop my dance. I, I was anointed to overcome when you're ridiculing me and looking down on me. I choose to give God praise. I choose to lift him high. I wish somebody would come out of that pew right now and dance through your disturbance. Dance through your storm. Dance through your dilemma. Dance through your trial. You're being shaken up. Dance in the middle of it. Yes. Listen, here's what he said. He said, not only am I going to play music before the Lord, I will be even more undignified than this. And I will humble in my I will be humble in my own sight. See, that's the problem. Some of you can't praise the Lord because you got too much pride. You're so proud. We're gonna give you a hand right now. You're doing real good. Sit there like God hadn't done anything for you. Sit there like He never baptized you in His name. Sit there like He never saved you from drugs. Sit there like you never got victory over anything in your life. That's pride. David said, you're proud, Michael, and you'll never birth anything in your future. But for me, I'm going to humble myself. I'm going to humble myself. I'm not afraid to dance before him. I'm not afraid to shout before him. Because I know, I said I know, I said I know what he did for me. What a change. What a change he made in my life. Come on, David. Get out in the street and dance. Here's what he said. I will even be more undignified than this, and I will be humble in my own sight. But as for the maidservants whom you have spoken... By them I will be held in honor. Therefore, Michael, the daughter of Saul, had no children to the day of her death. Somebody said, well, I hadn't felt the joy in the Lord in years. I haven't birthed anything brand new. You know, I haven't birthed anything brand new, so I think I'll just be a church hopper. Must be the church I'm going to. Must be the preacher I've got. Must be the youth pastor I have. Has it ever dawned on you that it might be you? You put yourself in a lofty place looking down on David. When Michael lifted herself up and looked down in the street, when you start looking down on other people, you're going to fall. 
When you start looking down on other people, you're going to look to check out. When you start looking down on other people, you're going to find an excuse for everything. But when you get down in the streets with David, when you get down with the common people, when you get down with those going through the storm, when you get down in the middle of it all, there's a dance inside of you. And you look up and say, I don't want that place. I want this place. I don't want to be looking down on others. I want to be looking up at him. Woo! Yes! My God, I feel like God's about to burst something in your life. God's about to let something come out of the womb of your prayers. You've been praying and God is going to send an affliction to bring the birth of something you could never produce on your own. You need this appointment so that you see him from a perspective and an angle that you could never see him prior to the appointment. Michael accused him of shamelessly disrobing himself. But that's not the case, and that's not even the context of Scripture. So don't run off and say, well, David disrobed himself. In 1 Chronicles chapter 15, verse 27, it informs us that he was also wearing a, a royal robe underneath the ephod. Though he was not from the tribe of Levi, David was acting as both king and priest, as a picture of Jesus, who would sit on the royal throne in the millennial reign as king priest and prophet and so David was fulfilling these two offices at least when he put on the ephod and underneath the ephod was the royal robe he said on the outside is a priestly garment but on the inside is my kingly garment so when he danced in worship he danced that outer garment off that said that's not really my role I'm really a king but I just need you to know in different times it calls for different anointing So when he danced out of the robe, he was not disrobed and humiliated. He was saying it's going to take a different anointing to get through the affliction. Somebody praise him. Woo! Hallelujah. It's, a, it's the king priest picture of Jesus, the son of David, who holds both offices. The ephod represented a priestly anointing, while the royal robe underneath represented a kingly anointing. Listen to me. You were anointed to overcome before you were ever appointed to undergo. And sometimes when you're undergoing things you've never gone through before, you need to know how to put the ephod on. Because it may take a priestly anointing that was holy, pure, and worshiping through the disturbance. Don't become unholy through the trial. Don't start cussing through the trial. Don't start drinking through the trial. Don't start drugging through the trial. Don't start pornography through the trial. You gotta remain holy. You gotta remain pure. You gotta remain priestly and you gotta worship in holiness and you gotta worship in separation and you gotta worship you don't compromise when you're going through a trial you regain your holiness position when you're going through a trial 
listen to me. That's what he said. He said, but when I danced, I danced because I needed you to know there's more than one layer of anointing on me. In other words, there's a part of me that's already on the other side of the trial. And I'm just looking back saying, right there, use the priestly anointing. And dance like you've never danced before. But as you come on through and the enemy's coming at you, you might need to use that kingly anointing. And so you might have to disrobe and say, I'm not going to fulfill the priestly anointing right now. I need you to see the royal robe that says, I'm still king. I'm still king. There's a king in every man's chest. I'm still king. God anointed me to be king. And you need to know that a king has authority and dominance. The devil does not have authority over you. Those people don't have authority over you. The anointing of God before you ever got to the appointment. You've got dominance. I said you've got authority. And you have dominion. And you have power. But you've got to dance like you have the power. You've got to shout like you have the power. You gotta run the aisles like you got the power. Somebody give him praise. That's what Paul said for this reason. When I could no longer endure it, I wanted to look down at the altar and I want to see how Mariah was doing. I want to look and see how Abishai was doing. I want to look and see how Mark was doing. I want to look, man. Boy, Aaron's been tearing it up in his singing. Aaron's been tearing it up in leading. Aaron's been tearing. I just want to know how he's doing when he walks out of the church. I want to know how he's doing when he gets up on Monday morning. I want to know how he's doing when he's going through a trial at the workplace. I want to know how he's doing when the supervisor's putting pressure on him. I want to know how, Aaron, how you doing? You know, it says something when you come to church on Sunday and you just praise God. It just lets everybody know, I've got an anointing on my life and though things might not be all right, everything's going to be all right. I'm anointed to overcome. I'm anointed to overcome. Nothing's going to take me out. Nothing's going to cause me to quit. He said, when I can no longer endure it, I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter had tempted you, that our labor might be in vain. I want to ask you a question. When you were shaken and moved, did you quit under the power of the venom? When you were shaken and bitten and agitated and disturbed, did you quit? Are you thinking about quitting under the power of the venom that's running through your bloodstream right now? If you are, I've come to preach the quit out of you. I've come to preach quitting out of you. I've come to preach throwing the towel in out of you. I've come to preach you back to victory. You said, do you believe you can do that? I believe through the anointing of God it can touch your heart and you can get up from where you are and you can get back into a place of victory and you can get back into a place of healing and you can get back to a place of dominance and you can get back to a place of authority. But you got to get up. You got to get the venom out of your system. You got to get the poison out of your mind. You got to get the poison out of your faith. You got to get the poison out of your spirit. I will not be embittered out. I will not be angered out. I'm going to win. That's what they do. A poisonous snake will sit back and watch you from a distance to see if you're going to fail. 
until they see you're still standing, no matter what they do, no matter what they say, no matter what they throw, no matter what they cast at you. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. You know, it's kind of it's like the anvil. And at the foot of the anvil, there's countless hammers. And they said, one anvil, but many hammers. you got to be like that anvil. You're going to wear out hammer after hammer after hammer after hammer. I know the devil tries to hammer on you. Life tries to hammer on you. Family tries to hammer on you. You need to break that hammer in pieces. Uh, let it fall to your feet and say, I'm still standing. I'm still here. I've still got praise in my spirit. I'm going to wear you out, hammer. I know you're trying to wear me out, but I'm going to wear you out. Uh-uh, you're not taking me out. You're not knocking me out. You're not taking me out. Uh-uh. You're going to fall. You're going to break. You're going to fall to my feet. But I'm going to be standing strong. One anvil, but many hammers. Come on, saints of the living God. you got to make up your mind. You're going to wear out the devil. You're going to wear out the gossip. You're going to wear out the lies. But you're not going to quit. You're not going to quit. Look at them. Watch them. How do you know they've been bitten, Pastor? How do you know they got venom running through them? Here's how you know. There's puncture marks at the wound. There's redness, swelling, bruising, bleeding, and blistering around the bite. Severe pain and tenderness at the site of the bite, and all they can do is talk about the marks they have on them. There's nausea and vomiting. Labored breathing in extreme cases. Breathing may stop altogether. They just quit coming to church altogether. You look around and listen, listen, you need to understand something. When you're here, it puts wings on the rest of the church because it tells the rest of the church, though you've been bitten, you're all right and you're still here. When you're not here on a Wednesday and you're not here on a Sunday, hey man, everybody looks around and says, oh no, did the venom get them? Oh no, have they been bitten or they're going to make it back? You just got to get back. I said you just got to get back. I know they're spitting poison at you, but you got to get to church. you got to get the hands in the air and let the rest of the church know. I'm going through it, but I'm anointed to overcome. I'm anointed to overcome. There's rapid heart rate, weak pulse, low blood pressure, disturbed vision. You mean you lost your vision? We used to talk for hours about how exciting the future is. We could sit down and go to 238 Coffee and talk about building a family life center and how that's going to get full and you know it, what type of education is in the future and you know thank God for the sacrifice offering that I think uh, fifty thousand dollars was uh, was was pledged and I think one hundred and sixty five percent has come in over eighty thousand dollars has come in. That's somebody that doesn't have poison running through them. It's about vision. It's about vision. It's about where we're going. It's about what we can do. And now, you look at them, and you try to talk to them, and their eyes go cross-eyed. And their vision's blurry. Yeah, I gave up wanting to teach Sunday school. Yeah, I gave up that call to preach. Yeah, I just quit on ever being in the choir again. Yeah, I just threw in the towel and said, I don't think I can be a host or a hostess in the church. 
I don't think I could even smile enough to welcome any first-time visitor that walks to the doors of Calvary. What in the world happened to you? That's not who you are, Calvary. Saint of God, you need to get your vision back. You need to get that venom out of your system. You need to get that venom out of your system. How do I do that? You let an anti-venom come in. You get to the ER as fast as you can. You put an anti-venom in your spirit so that it pushes out and it puts something brand new in. Oh my God. Oh, your greatest days are not over. I said we're going to push that poison out and God is going to set you up for brand new victory. Metallic mint or rubber taste in your mouth. Increase sweating. Numbness or tingling around the face or the limbs. Muscle twitching. Here's what you do. Muscle twitching. How, what that means to me as a pastor is I've talked to somebody before, same person. Just two dispositions in two places in life. Man, we can do it. Pastor, I know we can do it. I don't, I don't care what comes my way. I know we can do it. Versus muscle twitching, faith twitching, confidence twisting. Think we can make it. No, 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 no. Look at me in the eyes. I need some eye contact right now. Do you believe that with God all things are possible? And I don't care what the devil throws at us. It's just an appointed time. But we were anointed to overcome before we ever went through this little season of appointment. And we're going to come out better than we went in. Do you believe we can overcome? Muscle twitching. Confidence twisted. I don't know. No, that's not you. What's wrong with you? That's not the person I've always known. Every time I've ever asked you a question like that, you've been able to look at me in the eye and say, Pastor, I know we're going to make it and everything's going to be all right in the Holy Ghost. I know we can overcome. When you've been poisoned, you start twitching. You start saying, I don't know if we can make it or not. You need to get that venom out of your spirit tonight. You need to do whatever you have to do to get that poison out. Get it out of your system and know that we can win. Woo! Whether you're shaken or doing the shaking, same thing. Just twitching. You see the Mary? You see her? You touch nothing. Oh, Pastor, I'm sorry that I had something come up about 6:50 on Wednesday night. Texts. Man, you talk about going to Target, you talk about going to Walmart, talking about going to Lake Grapevine, talking about going doing whatever. Sunday rolls around. Pastor, sorry, just not feeling good today. Commitment twitching. Commitment faithful. Faith twitching. What happened? 
you don't have a problem going to Target? Well, the people at Target didn't put venom in me. You don't have a problem going to the lake? Well, all those people at the lake didn't spit poison on me. But it's that person I have to go to church with. Did it ever dawn on you that you might have been appointed to go through something like that because of the ministry God has for you over here? And the ministry's much bigger over here, but if you can't handle the little thing right here, if you can't even handle a little poison being spit at you, there's no way you're going to be able to handle the cobra over here. And you say, oh God, I want to do big things for you. Well, then you got to overcome the little things. you got to know how to get through the little things if you want to do big things. God can't even trust you with a big vision unless you can get your vision back for a small vision. you got to be able to accomplish a small task. You want to pastor a church, you need to know how to teach one Bible study. You can't teach a Bible study, you shouldn't be pastoring a church. Listen to me. Listen to me. Listen to me. They just wanted to see if he could handle the storm and the snake. And in Acts chapter 28, when Paul went to the island of Melita or Malta, the scripture said it was cold, it was raining, they were in a storm. And when Paul kindled a fire, when Paul started to change the temperature around the place, look, there's no problem if you're going to leave it lukewarm, carnal, sinful, and worldly. Snakes aren't going to show up in that kind of church because they've already got that kind of church. But it's when you make up your mind to set this place on fire. It's when you make up your mind the youth group's a little bit too cold. I want to get a bundle of sticks and I want to start a fire in this place. It's when you say my family's a little bit cold, but we need revival in my marriage. We need revival in my home. We need revival among my children. And you start stirring up a fire, that snakes start crawling. You gotta make up your mind to shake off that snake. You gotta make up your mind. Devil, I'm gonna shake you back into the fire, but you're not gonna change who I am. You're not gonna change my revival. You're not gonna change my dance. And this is what the scripture said. They said, though he, though he escaped the storm, He's not going to escape the snake. And all of the islanders looked and said, watch this, man. He's going to die right here. He's going to fall dead. He's going to start muscle twitching right here. He's going to start. <sighs> watch him. Watch his eyeballs. Watch his eyeballs. He's going to go cross-eyed right now. He's going to lose his vision right now. He's going to fall dead right in front of us. And when Paul took that venomous beast, the Bible said the venomous snake, the venomous beast, and he took it and he said, you know, Paul said, he said, well, you know, I want to see what happens when you're shaking. I'll tell you what's going to happen when I'm shaking. I'm going to shake it right back off. I'm going to shake it right back off. I'm not going to let the poison get in. And when he shook off the beast, some of you need to shake some things off. Some of you let some things collect on your spirit. Some of you let some things attach to your faith. Some of you let some poison get in your system. And you need to shake it off in this house. You need to make up your mind to get it off of you. You need to make up your mind, I'm going to shake off the snake. I'm going to shake off hell. I'm going to shake. Come on, you can't let that poison get inside you. You got to shake off that snake. Shake off that poison.
starting a fire. Starting a fire. Starting a fire. Somebody's got to put fuel on it. Somebody's got to put fuel on it. I'll never forget, man, we went out to the country. We went out to the ranch. John Michael was, I don't know, 10, 11, 12 years old. He loves snakes. I mean, if it was snake in here right now, he'd just put that thing like and he'd just let that thing crawl all over him. He loves snakes. He hates them. He, big old monstrous boy. He, ah! Ah! <laughs> hey, there was this little hollow place walking up to the front door of the house. Snakes always show up when you're about to walk through the door. There's a little hole in the side of the house in the siding. And that snake, we walked up, we were going inside the house, the snake just crawled straight into that hole inside the house. Like, oh, wait a minute. In about a couple hours, I'm going to go in there and go to sleep. What if that thing just, you know, just peer and beam? It's like, there's no concrete foundation. That, that dude, in my mind, it's coming through the walls. In my mind, it's already under the bed. In my mind, I'm going to turn the lights out. I'm going to close my eyes. I'm going to feel that thing coming up on the bed. I mean, you know, John Michael was feeling that. Papa said, Papa said, Carl, you want that thing to come out? I said, absolutely, I want that thing to come out. He said, go get, go get some gasoline. And he said, take a little bit of gasoline and throw that gasoline in the hole. And he said, I promise you, that snake's going to come out of there. Now, that sounds like a voice of experience. <laughs> I found, I found a five-gallon can of gasoline, put in a, never try to pour gas in a styrofoam cup. <laughs> you scientists here, you get the equation for all of that. I'm into the social sciences. I said, all right, JM was there, I don't remember who else was there. I took that gas. I took that gas and I threw it in that hole. And I am telling you within seconds, man, that snake, that long snake just comes straight out of there. I mean, he just, kill it! Kill it, don't let it live! What was going Until the fuel got to where it was hiding, it wasn't coming out. But when you gas things up, I said, when you make up your mind to put some fuel on it, when you're tired of cold church, when you're tired of dead church, when you want something on fire, and you just say, I got a little bit of anointing, and I'm gonna throw some anointing in this church, you watch out, the snakes are coming out. But God has given you power over the snake. Some of you need to shake it off, stomp it down, and walk into your victory. Don't quit praying right now. Don't quit dancing right now. It's making the snake leave. Woo! Come on, count me, everybody in this house. We ought to be, that's it, Jackie, give him praise. That's it, Eli, give him praise. All over this house, let's give the Lord praise. Devil, you're defeated. Devil, you're defeated. Devil, you're defeated. I'm anointed to overcome. Take somebody by the hand and shout with them. Take somebody by the hand and dance with them. Take somebody by the hand and dance. Come on. 
were anointed to win. Safe home.